0: We've got a great episode for you today with prolific Hollywood producer, Amy Pascal. But before we get to that conversation, I wanna tell you a little bit about Ezoic. When you're a blogger or a publisher, improving your site visitor experience can increase your website revenue and your traffic, and that's why you need Ezoic. Ezoic has Google award-winning technology that leverages artificial intelligence. Yes, that is AI to help its users manage, improve, and monetize their websites. It learns from website visitors with the goal of providing more personalized experiences and a better performing website. And with Ezoic's flagship ad tester technology, you can easily test thousands of ad networks and placements and ad types and Ezoic will use these to automate different ad combinations. It's personalized on a per visitor basis and their new site speed app optimizes website speed. Ezoic has a suite of tools that are easy to use and can help you achieve your goals, whether you wanna increase revenue this year or utilize data to keep your business growing. I highly recommend it. And I want you to try Ezoic's new site speed application. Go to ezoic.com girlboss to get a seven day free trial with no credit card information required. Don't wait, that's E-Z-O-I-C.com slash Girlboss. Hello, it's me, Sophia Amoruso, founder uh, and CEO of Girlboss, I almost forgot. And this is Girlboss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women like you, like me, Exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the very windy Road to Success. So it's Oscars season. I'm lobbying to get into a party or two. We'll see. I'm not at the top of the list. It's that time of year when everybody's talking about all the big movies from last year, the ones that made us cry, that made us laugh, and that just moved us. And in today's episode, we have the pleasure of talking with legendary powerhouse Amy Pascal. She's an American business executive and film producer who also worked on bringing to life, and congratulations to her on the many nominations, the latest adaptation of the iconic story, Little Women. Amy's had an incredible career trajectory in Hollywood, which we'll get into during our conversation. She served as the chairperson of the Motion Pictures Group of Sony Pictures and the co-chairperson of SPE, including Sony Pictures Television from 2006, And she now has built and runs Pascal Pictures, producing some of the best movies in Hollywood. Amy has overseen the production and distribution of so many films and television programs, including the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot, 2017's Spider-Man Homecoming, Molly's Game, and The Post. Amy also received two Academy Award nominations for Best Picture for producing The Post and Little Women. And the list goes on. Here's a little bit of what she shared during our conversation.
1: Running a studio is not the same as producing a movie. You know, producing a movie is like a very detailed job, and you're responsible every day for all sorts of things. And I had no idea what I was doing. I... You know, I didn't know when you're supposed to go talk to the director. I didn't know what you're supposed to say. I didn't know that anybody wanted to hear what I had to say. So I shut up and sat there and went every day and learned.
0: Stay tuned for my conversation with Amy. We talk about how she got her start in Hollywood, how we can negotiate so we get paid what we're worth, and so much more. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for coming on Girl Boss Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to have you here. Thank you. Congratulations on all of the nominations for Little Women. Thank you. Um, I want to get into your career. I always like to start at the beginning. Okay. Um, You grew up in Los Angeles. I
1: grew up in Los Angeles.
0: You, at some point, had a job as a secretary
1: early in your career. I I did. My uh, dad was an economist at the Rand Corporation. My mother had the first artist bookstore in Venice um, in the 70s called Artworks, which is an amazing collection of original artist books, mostly feminist artist books. I went to UCLA. I went to Crossroads. I was actually in the first graduating class of Crossroads where there was only 18 of us and we graduated in my friend's backyard.
0: That sounds great.
1: It was great. Um, I owe a lot to that school. Um, I uh, got my first job from looking at an ad in The Hollywood Reporter. I, didn't, I did grow up in L.A., but I didn't know anybody in the film business, but I always knew that that's what I wanted to do.
0: Were there any unrelated jobs in high school or, I mean, it I can started range from babysitting to retail?
1: I, babysitting for sure. I worked at a lot of pharmacies. I worked at a lot of candy counters. I started working when I was about 13. My first job was wrapping gifts at Martindale's Bookstore, which no longer exists in Century City. My parents were um, intellectual, academic, um, but they sort of said to me, if you want anything, you should get a job.
0: Yeah. Is there anything you learned from those early jobs that you've taken? Everything
1: I learned from those early jobs. I learned that I like to have my own money. And I learned that I didn't like to ask anybody for anything. That was, um, clear to me from as early as I can remember.
0: But I'm sure you've had to ask for things. is uh, Over the course of your career. I've, I've
1: had been- to ask for a lot of things, but I didn't want to ask I didn't want, if I wanted to buy something, I wanted to be able to buy
0: it. Yeah. Buying things can be fun.
1: Buying things is good.
0: So for our listeners who are asking for things or maybe not confident to ask for things, I mean, that's your whole career you've had to ask for and demand things and demand more and demand more pay, demand more than a lot of us.
1: I think you have to figure out that nobody's going to ask for you what you really want. I remember there was a time when I was working for I guess I shouldn't say who. I well, I was working for Ted Turner and he had just folded the company and um, I'd been there I'd left Sony and been there for 2 years and um, I was very disappointed. I loved Ted. I worked for Ted and and Scott Sessa and I was very disappointed and um I called my lawyer as we were wrapping things up and said, um, I won't say the amount of money, but I said, you know what? I don't feel that good about this. I really want blank. And he said, I can't call Ted and ask for that. And I said, you're my lawyer. Of course you can. And he said, no, I can't. They've done settlement. They've done this and that. And I said, OK. So I called Ted and I said, I don't feel really great about this. Here's what I want. As and he a said, severance
0: package. Yeah.
1: And he said, "Okay. Now it doesn't work that way every time. I've asked for plenty of things I haven't gotten, but if you don't ask, you certainly aren't going
0: to get it. What's a good way to ask for something? You know, it's be like really is there... straightforward. Yeah,
1: this is what I want. This is what I think I deserve. This is what I want. You have to be really um, okay with being rejected and being told no. Um, you can't be afraid of that."
0: Did you always want to get into entertainment?
1: I did. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't know anybody who was in entertainment. But I thought that I was really interested in art and I was really interested in storytelling. And I knew I wasn't an actress. I knew I wasn't a director or that. I knew I wanted to be on the business side of things, but I knew I wanted to live my life around artists.
0: And you studied international studies. Yeah,
1: I did. I studied international studies at UCLA.
0: Has that benefited you?
1: Yeah, because college is about melding your mind rather than learning a craft. I agree. It's about learning how to think and it's about that, you know, that experience of opening up your brain to the way that the world works and how things are interconnected. You know, unless you're in a trade school, that's what college should be.
0: And that's something I didn't know when I was younger. That's something I yeah. really, I didn't finish college. I took right. some community college classes in photography and I think I was just a little bit I don't know indulgent in that regard where I was like, What's this gonna do for me later? What is taking a geology class really gonna do right. and it's it's the mechanics of college.
1: It's the mechanics of college, but it's also I remember taking an intellectual art history class that was taught by an incredible professor, which was about understanding art through the economy and I was like oh I totally understand everything now and it's those moments where your brain completely opens up and I remember you know those those feelings of um, walking along the um, because I went to UCLA the campus at night and it's so beautiful and you're all alone and you think you know everything and you feel so empowered and I hold on to that
0: there's sometimes where you just never get those feelings a second time. Like when I no. bought my first car, yeah, the Nissan. Yeah, it was a beautiful car. Yeah, but just like watching the light dance over the dashboard. Oh, was I remember. Like, you know, smelling flowers or something. Oh,
1: absolutely! I remember my first car too. It was a chocolate brown Toyota Corolla that I saved up for. and bought.
0: Beautiful. Uh, so you studied international studies and then you went into entertainment. Yeah. Without experience in entertainment. No, I had
1: no idea what I was doing.
0: Did did you have imposter syndrome ever? Were you, you know?
1: Yeah, like even now. Um, You always do. Otherwise, you're a jerk. Yeah, I Um, agree. But there were people and television shows and movies that I loved and women who I admired and wanted to, I wanted their life. You know, I remember, you guys are all too young to remember this television show, but it was called That Girl, and it was with um, Marlo Thomas, and she she was an actress, and she had her own apartment, and she had all these, like, matching clothes, and she had, like, perfectly flipped hair, and everything was, like, plaid and, like, white stockings, and she had her own apartment, she had her own car, she had her own thing. She had a boyfriend, Donald Hollinger, who loved her, but she didn't want to marry, and I thought, that's the life I want.
0: Is that the life you got?
1: I don't have a Murphy bed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You probably have a guest bedroom. (laughs) If you want to get in shape and feel confident stepping into your workout routines with both fashionable and affordable gym wear, I highly recommend checking out Fabletics. Fabletics, if you don't know what it is, it's a fashion-focused activewear brand founded by Kate Hudson. And their mission is to empower women. My favorite piece right now is the Trinity High Waisted Pocket Capri. I put my credit card in the pocket and they're high-waisted, which makes me look real cute. You can check them out while they're in stock because designs change monthly. And right now you can get two leggings. That's two leggings for only $24, which is a $99 value, when you sign up for a VIP All you have to do is go to fabletics.com slash girlboss to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com slash girlboss to get two pairs of leggings for only $24. There is no commitment to purchase monthly and free shipping on orders over $49. And also make sure you enter your email address when you take a style quiz as you'll receive exclusive discounts in the inside scoop about new collections that haven't been released yet. Again, go to fabletics.com slash girlboss, fabletics.com slash girlboss, terms and conditions do apply. For those of us, you know, and I I encounter it all the time, I'm like, who am I to run a, is this a media company? I don't even know, but build technology, right. lead a team when I could have done a better job last time, who, how, what, who signed up for this, right. who did I trick? Right. <laughs> um, for those of us who are feeling that way, do you have any tips for overcoming imposter syndrome?
1: I think that you just keep moving forward. I think that if you're doing something that you love, that you just love, then it doesn't matter because you're so turned on by, by learning about it and doing it. That, um, that, yeah, you feel like you don't know what you're doing all the time, you know? But you feel like that your whole life. Then you grow up and you get married and then not knowing is replaced with guilt and then you're just guilty all the time. Um, but I've had lots of experiences in my life where I had to start new things and I didn't know if I was going to be any good at them. But I guess, what's my secret? Here it is. Do your homework. Do your homework. Like, work harder than everybody, know more than anybody, do it twice, read it more, watch more movies, read more books, actually know your shit. That makes you feel less like an imposter.
0: And you talk about loving what you do. Yes. And people say, like, follow your passion, you know, and sometimes that's not the thing that carries all of us into the kind of career that you've had. Right. Right. And following our passion and working hard and being totally turned on are important parts of just that extra 1% that takes you into much further into your career, faster.
1: Yeah, because you're going to have horrible setbacks. I mean, I've had horrible, unthinkable, unspeakable setbacks. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. You have to decide what it is you want to do every day. Like, forget running anything or being the boss of anything. Like what's going to turn you on every single day of your life and make sure the thing that that's the thing you're doing
0: how do you balance your passion with your responsibilities because you know we can be passionate about our careers but day to day it can be a slog yeah no matter how passionate we are whether we work for ourselves or not we end up doing things that we just don't want to do,
1: but and that's then, part of it too. I mean, I got coffee. I babysitted. You know, I was a. I started out as a secretary. I was a secretary for five or six years. You know, it wasn't like immediately I became something. I just found a way to, uh, to to keep doing things that I wanted to be doing, um, and yeah, lots of times it's boring lots of times it's a slog lots of times people are assholes they're mean to you you know you feel intimidated but that why would you expect anything different that's what life is
0: you've had an incredible career as an executive as a chairperson as a producer thank you oh so many awards right so many Mm -hmm. accolades all the lists for those of us who want to get into producing in 2020, is it, is it different than it used to be? What would your advice be to someone who wants to get into producing? Okay, so
1: here's a good piece of advice that somebody gave me when I was first starting out. They said, don't compete and you'll end up in a class by yourself. Be yourself because nobody else can be that. And you can't be what anybody else can be. And, of course, I spent lots of time thinking, what does a studio executive look like? You know, um, you know, what kind of car should I drive? How should I dress? You know, how should I behave? And I tried on all those things. But none of it really worked for me until I was comfortable doing it the only way that I knew how to do it. And it wasn't always the popular way of doing it. But it was the only thing that I was going to be good at.
0: If I wanted to work in production under you, yeah, how would I go about doing that?
1: Maybe I do. Uh, if you do, <laughs> okay. well, all you have to do is call me. Okay. I'm very easy to okay. I'm very easy to find. Cool,
0: but how? It not me. Right. right. <laughs> okay, you're easy to find. I can Google you. For uh, those of us who, uh, maybe I'll have your phone number at the end. of this. Figure
1: out what it is that you actually have to say. Like, what do you have to offer? You know, why should anybody hire you? What's good about you what's special about you what are your ideas what are you bringing to the table why are you why are you necessary and when I started you know uh which was a thousand years ago um you know nobody was making movies about girls nobody was making movies about women um someone told me you know I was going to get a bad reputation early on in my career for wanting to make movies about women uh but I didn't care because that's what I liked
0: even when we went to pitch girl boss yeah. the the net what became a netflix series yeah that's the advice that's the feedback we heard which was well this only serves 50% of the population which is like why wouldn't everybody watch this it's called girl boss little women sure it's gendered but it's a story about humanity it's a story about yeah. half of the world half of
1: the world at least
0: tell me why little m- women was important for you to get involved
1: with um because it's one of the most important books about um, about um, going from being a young woman to being an adult. It's about the compromises that you have to make to live in the real world. It's, if you go back and read the novel, it's actually incredibly funny and sarcastic and, and really literary. And Joe, is there's this meta quality that it has that I think Greta was able to bring out that as much as I love all of the other adaptations, they didn't deal with it, which is that Joe is writing a story about herself as Louisa May Alcott, and it just is this sort of circular storytelling that I think is really interesting. Also, um, when my mother was pregnant with me, my father was studying for his PhD, and they were living in a little um, uh, cabin in, in Saugus, New York. He was getting his PhD at Columbia, and my dad read her Little Women, and that's why they called me Amy Beth. So, and you directed. So it's been part of my life forever. And you produced. I did the first. Produce the one in ninety four. I was a, a vice president at the studio who was in charge of the movie.
0: Is that a big part of why you did this a second time?
1: As Gloria Steinem says, you know, she reads the book every year, and it has different things to say to her at every point in her life. And I think Little Women had more things to say. I think there were, and when Greta came and talked to us and said, I want to make this movie about money. I want to make this movie about independence and about what money means to women. You know, she's she talked about that great speech that Virginia Woolf gives when someone asks her why there are no women poets. And she says, um, because women have always been poor. There are no women artists because women have always been poor. And you, you have to have a place to be an artist. And I thought that was really inspiring as a way that it related to Little Women. I loved the idea, the the way that Greta wanted to tell the story, that it was about time and about the way time passes. She talked about how most stories about growing up are about leaving home in order to have adventures, and this was about the adventure at home. Um, she talked about it was a, a family of female geniuses and no one had ever really talked about it that way and I thought my goodness all of that is in the book
0: how does something like Little Women come about right you've packaged and produced so many incredible films
1: thank you that's very kind
0: where does it start Uh, do you get a script does she come to you and say let's do something that started
1: with you know Denise Denovi and Robin Swicord, who were great supporters and also um, worked with me on film as producers, um, she came and saw us, and she found her way into our office. She hadn't done Lady Bird, she hadn't written Lady Bird. I knew that she had co-written, you know, Francis Ha, I think, with Noah, but she had no resume at all. She found her way into our office and said everything that I've just told you and said ultimately I'd like to direct this movie but I'm going to write this movie for you and this is what it's going to be and that was it I would follow her anywhere I just knew she could do it that's what you have to the hunch that you stick with as a producer is what you have to have
0: So many of our listeners run their own e-commerce businesses and shipping is a really, really big part of that. And I really wish that back in my eBay days, I had something like ShipStation. Whether you're selling on your own website or in marketplaces like Etsy, eBay, ShipStation will make your life so much easier by bringing all of those orders together in one place on your computer or your phone, and ShipStation helps you figure out the best way to ship every package. You can create labels for all the top carriers, globally, locally, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. And they even offer discounts on shipping costs because they get bulk discounts, usually reserved for really, really, really big Companies. We use ShipStation here at Girl Boss, and we're going to be using it more because I think we're going to sell a little bit more merch this year. And we absolutely love it. Right now, Girl Boss radio listeners get to try ShipStation free for sixty days when you use offer code Girl Boss. See for yourself why ShipStation is rated number one by online sellers. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Girl Boss. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code Girl Boss. Ship station, make ship happen. As a producer, mm-hmm. you build teams, mm-hmm. right? You cobble together these temporary, cobble much more than cobble. temporary families. Temporary families. It's hard enough to have a permanent team where it's yeah. like, cool, come to work at Girl Boss. You know, I hope you like it. Let's <laughs> figure out how to work together, define all of our roles, try not to bump into each other, try not to cr- have silos, but. In entertainment, people come together for a series of months, and then they disband, and then they go off to learn how to work with new people again. And so in a way, it's casting a team.
1: It is, but you have something in the same way that you guys have a mission statement for your company, and there are people who want to sign on for that, and they believe and are inspired by what it is you guys want to accomplish. We had to screenplay and that is what a screenplay is. There is nothing without that in, in, in the business that I'm in. There's nothing without that document that tells you what the ambition for the movie is. And the screenplay that Greta wrote was so extraordinary that people who understood it and felt inspired by it wanted to be part of it.
0: What are the kind of markings of a great screenplay? How do you know when something's a great screenplay?
1: like everything when it moves you when it moves you i mean people go to movies emotionally and screenplays need to be emotional too you need to feel the movie when you read it
0: so scripts come to you yes but they come up through what kind some come directly to you
1: do you have some come directly. a bunch of assistance reading stuff i have a wonderful partner named rachel o'connor who does a lot of the work. I have great executives who work for me. Sometimes it comes in the form of a book. Sometimes it comes in the form of an idea. Sometimes it's just somebody that I'm dying to work with and we just cook up something. Sometimes it's a play. Um, It's so many different ways that a story starts. But the thing about a movie is it's always about one idea right and the wonderful thing is you're you're telling one story and then you tell it you tell it in a pitch you tell it in a screenplay you tell it on film you tell it with costumes you tell it with actors you tell it with music and you just keep telling the same story again and again and again
0: is that what the job of a producer is
1: i think it's to keep their eye on that
0: I imagine that for every screenplay that actually gets onto your desk, there's 10 that you didn't see because they were crap and someone vetted yeah, them for but, you. You know,
1: sometimes, you know, I'm sure that I've read plenty of screenplays that had tons of potential that I didn't recognize also. I mean, sometimes something just you feel it, you know? And yes, of course, there there are people who read things before I do.
0: How do you trust? That's my question is, how do you trust those people to vet the kind of thing that only you really know
1: is. Well, when you work with people for a long time, like I've worked with Rachel, because Rachel, actually, I've worked with, um, you know, the entire time I was at Columbia when I was, she was a reader at Turner Pictures, you know, you get to know people's taste and you get to know what it is people like and what turns them on. And then sometimes people, can open up your eyes sometimes too and say, you know, you should consider this. You don't think it's the kind of thing that you would like, but I think you might. How
0: do you know when something's award-worthy?
1: Oh, you don't. You don't? No. All you know is you like it.
0: How important is marketing?
1: Everything. Marketing is everything. Because that original reason for making the movie, for buying the pitch, for hiring Greta in the first place I figure if it's something that turned me on it's going to be the same reason people are going to go to the movie You, I don't believe that marketing should be selling something different but I also believe that marketing can't be reactive how do people know what they want? they can't know what they want did anybody ask anybody if they wanted to carry music around in their pocket? no did anybody think they needed that? no but they knew people would want it if they understood what it was.
0: And you know so much, and you've had such a storied career. You've come up through the ranks, largely in a male-dominated industry. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's been many rooms where you're the only woman in the room. Many. How do you make space? How do you make sure that you're heard?
1: Sometimes you talk louder. You know? You can't let what is happening in other people's brains stop you from doing what you do. You can't.
0: You recently shifted Mm -hmm. your production company. Yes. After 30 years with Sony. Correct. Pascal Pictures,
1: that was a really, really big move. It was a really big move. And I did it because it had been 30 years. And I'd been at Sony for my entire life, except for a very brief stint when I went to work for Ted, and then I went right back to Sony. Um, it was time for me to do something different because at this point in my life there aren't gonna be that many big giant moves and I needed to I needed to see what it, it was like to be at another company. Plus I adore Donna Langley and I think she's brilliant and I thought that I would be a good fit for her and I'd been at Sony for a very long time and I'll always be making movies at Sony. So because I have the Spider-Man franchise that I'll always be making and they'll always be at Sony. No big deal. And 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 so I kind of ended up with the best of both worlds. I get to make all these movies with Sony and Marvel. And then and I still have a lot of movies left at Sony that I'll I'll be probably making forever. So now I get to work at two places. How
0: long is your pipeline of like movie making?
1: Who knows?
0: <laughs> you don't track it. I don't know. <laughs> It'll probably be terrifying. Yeah. For a lot of our listeners making career moves, transitions, it's a very scary thing. Yes, it and is. And we're all kind of always in the midst of it. Yeah. After 30 years, you know, it's it's scary if you've worked in an industry for
1: a year. Right? When I got fired as the chairman of the company and I became a producer, it was a Hideously unpleasant, as anybody can imagine, and the circumstances for which were crappy, which we're not going to talk about because I don't want to talk about it. I mean, not that I care, but I'm going to talk about how you respond to it because everybody has setbacks. And so here I was, having been the boss of everything, and now I was a lowly producer, and I had in my mind thought, oh, people think I'm so funny. People think I'm so smart. People do what I say. So when you don't have like a loaded gun in your lap anymore, and they don't have to, you have to find another way to get them to do what you want them to do. And you don't have the first idea what you're doing. Making Running a studio is not the same as producing a movie. You know, producing a movie is like a very detailed job. And you're responsible every day for all sorts of things. And I had no idea what I was doing. I you know, I didn't know when you're supposed to go talk to the director. I didn't know what you're supposed to say. I didn't know that anybody wanted to hear what I had to say. So I shut up and sat there and went every day and learned.
0: When you made the big move from Sony to Universal, there's so much intellectual property that you leave behind right what does a creative breakup like that look like
1: well in my case it wasn't so much of a breakup because first of all Tom Rothman has been my friend since we both started in the business together so
0: business friends
1: we are business friends (laughs) but we have great affection for each other we've been through a lot together um, and everything that I was doing at Sony, all the movies, whether they be Spider-Man movies or a lot of other movies that I have in development there, they all stay at Sony and I get to make movies there, those movies, and all the stuff I'm doing going forward, the new stuff is a universal.
0: And you mentioned setbacks. So in 2014, yes. you said something like, and and I've had these thoughts you know, as an entrepreneur, right. times have changed, but... People show up and you say, "Hey, what would you like to be making here?" Right. And hopefully, you know they overstate it. You negotiate, and that's where you end up. And often, that's yeah, that's that's where people join the company. In 2014, it was discovered that women were making less under you than men, largely right, which isn't
1: there was an uncommon
0: yeah, thing. Right. What did you learn from that experience? Right. And it's a different time now. How do you th- how do you th- approach the gender pay gap?
1: This is what I learned from that experience in total. I've always hired women. I've, uh, that's always been what I did for my whole career. Whether it was making movies with Nora Ephron or Nancy Myers or Amy Heckerling or Penny Marshall, that's always been the that's always been what I did as a studio executive and, and now as a producer.
0: What would your tips be for negotiating higher salary? What argument would convince someone like you? in a position of power that they're worth the extra cost.
1: I think that as a business person, you pay people. You're a business person. You're gonna pay people what you you can get away with. Like always.
0: If I was trying to negotiate with you,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: what would be the best way to do that?
1: It would depend on what I was paying you to do. I would value if you were you know, I would I would want to pay you for what was fair. I don't. I'm, you know,
0: if I said I want fifty thousand dollars more, a million dollars more,
1: if I thought you were worth it, it, I'd have to believe you were worth it for whatever the job was. I wouldn't pay you more because you were a girl.
0: And you and you commented anyway. There's been so much talk about Little Women, mm-hmm. um, so many nominations, but there was a very kind of loud snub
1: for Greta, Greta and was. I wish that had been otherwise because I do believe that she deserved it
0: and she wasn't so to be clear she was not She was nominated. not
1: nominated as a director for the film and there have been only 5 women nominated ever ever why do there have f- only what? been two other movies that have been nominated that are directed produced and written by women in the history of the academy. This is the third film.
0: Why do you think that happened?
1: Because I think there's an unconscious bias in the world. I don't think that it's a malicious thing. I think it's just a true thing.
0: What do you think it's going to take for the academy to start caring about female-led I think, films?
1: I think I think the academy is just a body of people, right? And the most important thing for the Academy to do, which is what Dawn is trying to do, is letting in more people, different people, than the people that have made up the Academy before. And they're really trying to do that. And maybe Little Women being nominated is a reflection of that.
0: If you want to make 2020 a year where you level up, get new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity, then you need to check out Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. They have so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of other creatives. Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth, which is something we're so committed to here on Girlboss Radio across everything that we do here at Girlboss, and I know you are too. And Skillshare's really affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription, get this, is less than $10 a month. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm taking a really cool class called Productivity Masterclass. Create a custom system that works, as we all know. Systems are really challenging for me. Systems can be challenging for so many of us and I love it. A, and I love it. It's an affordable way to continue your education and it's such an incredibly supportive environment. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of Girl Boss Radio. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash boss and get two free months of premium membership that's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free get started and join today by heading to skillshare.com slash boss that's skillshare.com slash boss is there a favorite film that you've produced to date
1: well i'm just gonna say little women yeah of
0: course. Are there themes that are popular right now that you're excited about? Culture changes, right? People want to see movies about certain things and culture changes when you introduce, when you, culture changes when you depict lifestyles that we never saw on television before. What are the themes that you're really interested in right now?
1: For me, what I'm interested, I'm always interested in characters, but I think one of the things that is make that makes movies theatrical is the way that stories are being told. I think something like Fleabag is a perfect example of what makes that show great, um, besides she's brilliant, is Is that it's a different way of telling that story about about her observations and her life. And I think that's really exciting to people. And I think that everyone's playing with the format of how you tell stories. That's what we did with Spider-Verse as well. That's what we did with Little Women.
0: Spider-Verse was, I loved it. I loved it too. I I loved was very, every I'm very proud of that movie. Do you consider it an animation?
1: Yeah, I consider it animation, but but I don't think that animation is just for kids. I think animation is just another way of telling a story.
0: Yeah, my boyfriend's an animator. And I think the convergence of live action and animation is... Exciting. ...being done well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? What is your biggest career victory to date Ben?
1: Having a really awesome 19-year-old son. Yeah.
0: Why career victory?
1: Because he's amazing. And I was able to do all the things that I wanted to do and help, help guide this miraculous person into being.
0: What about your biggest career mistake?
1: Oh god, there's so many <laughs> millions whenever I wasn't really true to myself, whenever I was doing something for the wrong reasons, whenever I was doing something because I was trying to curry favor or seem a certain way or or be accepted or um anytime I was outside of my own reality. Integrity. and in- Integrity. That always gets you in trouble.
0: Relationships are such a huge part of the entertainment industry. Networks. Networking. How do you approach that? What would your advice be for someone who's just building their network for the first time? How do you maintain those relationships? How do you nurture those relationships? I think
1: that you have to be realistic with yourself that it's business. Like don't expect them to come to your birthday party. Like that's not the job. The job is that you're you run the studio or you're a producer and don't get that mixed up with something else.
0: Everybody wants to be
1: friends. I don't want to be friends. I want to work with them. That's really <laughs> that's really a difference. Like being you... friends is a different thing. I didn't say I was any good at it. But uh, you try yeah. to separate those two things. Everybody is human and have feelings. My friend Nora Everett always said that everything is personal for people. So you can't pretend that it isn't, that you don't actually have feelings. But you try as best you can to navigate and remember what these relationships are.
0: Given that, what does great leadership look like?
1: Listening to people, being open, trying to get people to do their best work. I think that's what great leaders do, is they work with great people people who are better than them, people who, are, who know things that they don't know, and then they try to help them be their best versions.
0: How do you balance that thinking, that transactional thinking? With... I don't want
1: them to want to be friends with me. I don't want to owe anybody anything. I don't want anyone to do anything out of any other reason than they actually want to be making that movie, working on that project.
0: How do you make time for your friends?
1: Real friends. Yeah, that's hard. I have to do that. Now that my son's gone to college, me and my husband have to figure out how to go out again.
0: Have you found over the course of your career? Because I have experiences at times where you're pulled in so many different directions that you're always disappointing someone.
1: Every minute of your life, and I don't think that's going to change.
0: And you kind of have to accept
1: it, you feel like an awful person, but it's— You have to accept that no matter where you are, you think you should be somewhere else. No matter what you're doing, you should be doing something else. It's—that that, that doesn't—you it. it's, don't get to a place where that changes. It's just a truth that you have to live with. You just have to get to a spiritual zen moment about the fact that nothing is ever finished, and nothing is ever—you're not taking care of everything all the time.
0: What's next for you?
1: I'm moving to Atlanta to make the next Spider-Man movie this summer, that's the next. As soon as we're uh, done with Little Women and then I have a whole lot of movies I have to make. I'm gonna make it universal.
0: What does success mean to you? It can mean so many things, right? Professional, personal, family.
1: Um, I think it's about feeling okay with myself. Feeling like I've done a good job. Feeling like I tried and I gave it everything that I could. And that I didn't let, that I tried not to let things slip by and that I paid attention. And that I feel I put something into the world that I like.
0: There's a question I ask everyone who comes on Girl Boss Radio. Mm-hmm. And we have this thing called Girl Boss Moments. Okay. Which is really just a time in your most recent history where you were proud of yourself. You did something that was for you, right? It wasn't yeah. an obligation. It was... Oh shit, I bought a plant or made my bed in the morning or got nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. What was your most recent girl boss
1: moment? Oh, I guess it would have been Monday morning. I felt pretty proud. I have to say I did. You got up early. I got I didn't even sleep. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty excited and pretty nervous. I really wanted this for the movie. I really did. I wanted it for so many reasons because I believe that you know there's a line in the movie where um, Amy uh, and, and 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 Meg are, are talking to Joe and she says um, that she's just writing this little thing and she says but nobody's going to like it and Amy says well I like what you write and she says that art reflects life and Amy says, I don't think so. I think writing is what makes it important. And I think making movies like Little Women is what makes it important to make movies about women. Because when you make them, they become important. And therefore, they're not dismissible. And therefore, people go to see them. And then they matter.
0: We talk a lot about mentorship here. And we get a lot of questions about mentorship. How do I find a mentor? How do I keep a mentor? Have you had mentors over the course of your career?
1: Yes, but they haven't been people that I've sought out as mentors. They've been people that I worked with that believed in me in times where I might have faltered, and they helped me. So whether it was John Kelly, who was my boss for a very long time? Whether it was my very first boss, Tony Garnett, who just passed away the other day, my very best girlfriend, who uh, died of breast cancer a couple of years ago, Laura Ziskin—they're not people who who give you jobs. They're people who set your north, who help you reset your north star. That's what, for me, mentors have been.
0: Amy, thank you so much for joining me on Girlboss Radio you today. You are
1: so welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for our show this week. A big thank you to Amy for coming to the studio at Girlboss in the middle of Oscar season. I learned a lot, and I hope you did too. And thank you also for downloading and streaming Girl Boss Radio every week. It matters so much to us. Thank you for sharing us on your socials, for screenshotting us on your Spotify, Apple Podcasts, maybe even a swipe up link. I don't know. Share your love if you've learned anything from Girl Boss Radio, and if you do, tag me in Girl Boss. We might just reshare it. And as always, be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it from me. I'll talk to you next week.